0: I uh, this week was hanging out with my son and he was playing with a jeep because he loves jeeps and he smashed me in the face with it and <laughs> and uh, instead of responding in an appropriate way, I picked the jeep and I threw it picked up the jeep and threw it. as I think about washed all my sins away, I, I think about this week, my behavior toward my son, and it was sinful it was not godly. And uh, it was frustrating um, that I responded that way. And when I think about my sins being forgiven, I'm grateful. And I want to change. I want that gratefulness to build in my heart. And I, want, I don't want to do that. I don't want my son to see me throw on a toy if he hits me. And the- I don't want my son to hit me in the face but um, with a toy. But I don't want to respond like that. And so my prayer, even as I'm singing those songs, is God change that sinful behavior in me. This is rubber meets the road kind of stuff. I want my behavior to change because of your grace and your mercy to me. And um, so maybe there's something this week that you think about when you're confessing those sins and that, that's what I'm doing. I'm confessing and thinking about those things this week, those behaviors I want to change because they're not godly. And so I pray that that behavior changes, that if he wallops me in the face again with a jeep this week, that I don't respond like that. Um Here's what we're going to do. We, we stand with people in this city and people all over the world, in fact. We stand with brothers and sisters, and we are claiming certain areas of square footage for the glory of God. And I'm going to just spend some time this morning and ask you, as we've done a couple times, we're going to just pray for some other churches this morning. Um, I have a list here of churches that I know have been praying for us, and I want to pray for them. One of those is Jonesboro First Baptist Church. In Jonesboro, Illinois, my grandfather was a deacon there for years. The pastor there, his name is Michael Turner, and uh, they've been praying for us on Wednesday nights, and they've been praying for Carbondale, and I want to pray for them. They're meeting this morning, and there may be some visitors there this morning um, that uh, other people in the congregation have been praying for, and they're visiting there maybe for the first time, and we're, we're going to pray that God would save the people that Jonesboro First Baptist has been praying for. And uh, then uh, Lakeland Baptist is a community church here, right, or it's a Baptist church right in town. Phil Nelson, uh, Lucas and Bree used to go there. Um, and uh, Phil Nelson's the pastor there. And in this city, there's another congregation of people meeting, gathering for the glory of God, and we're going to pray for the same thing there, that God would be honored, uh, and that uh, maybe the Holy Spirit would awaken somebody like He's doing in me already this week um, to things that need to change in my life, that God would be honored in the way that Lakeland Baptist Church lives their life from Monday to Saturday. So maybe something is happening and stirring in them that needs to be changed. So we're going to pray for them. Pleasant Valley Community Church, I wasn't going to pray for Owensboro, we prayed for them, but uh, another church has been praying for us, uh, and that really is for us, Pleasant Valley Community Church in uh, Owensboro, Kentucky, They uh, are a really large congregation there, and their pastor, Jameis Edwards, has been really, he's actually in. uh, Russ and Jameis have been buddies for years. They've been uh, uh, praying for us as well, and I just want to pray for them. They're in a different location for the next three weeks because God has been so moving there that they've grown so large that they're having to do renovations on their building uh, because there's no room for them to meet. They're they're just maxed out. So they're in a community center for the next three weeks while renovations are happening. So that's, we want to celebrate that. God's working in such a way. There's so many people meeting Jesus and being baptized and wanting to join the church that they're having to build. That's incredible, you know? Uh, and Calvary Campus. Calvary Campus is a, is a church that gathers here in this community. And uh, it's Assemblies of God Church, and they're a, a group of people who love to pray, and they love international mission. They have, church, uh, they have people that are part of their church from all over the globe. And the same way that the Vine is, they're very... Uh, 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 racially diverse they're very um, uh, not just racially diverse but culturally diverse as well I mean so there's people represented from everywhere uh, there and we just want to pray also that the Holy Spirit of God would work there and that Jesus would be honored and I think it's uh, the best way for us to be stewards of what God is doing is not just think about us here in this room and in the coming weeks we're going to be even praying for some international mission work uh, we're praying for a group in India um, but I just want to take time in our gathering to pray. So I'm going to throw this out there. Uh, Jordan, of all those churches, which one kind of did you th- think, oh, I'd, maybe we'd like to pray for them? Jonesboro. Jonesboro. Jordan wants to pray for Jonesboro. So I was talking through these. What were some of the ones that maybe? So Lakeland Baptist, Phil Nelson, and our brothers and sisters that are meeting over there, would anybody want to pray for them this morning? And we're just, I'm just going to ask you. You're just going to pray out loud from where you're at. Anybody? I'm not afraid to assign all right, Carol will pray for Lakeland Baptist Church this morning. Uh, Calvary Campus, church that meets somewhere close to here. I actually don't know where their building is. Um, okay, James will pray for Calvary Campus. And then Pleasant Valley. Who wants to pray for Pleasant Valley this morning? They're meeting in a new place um, in Owensboro. Anybody want to pray for them? Okay, Andy, we'll pray. Well, we'll just pray, and then if anybody else wants to pray and join in, and even if you're not assigned, you can do that as well, but uh, Jordan, if you'll start, and Andy, you're the last one, so you can close, how about, and then Carol and James, you can just pray in between there, and uh, so uh, we'll just pray, and then we'll, we'll preach after that, but let's just think about the brothers, and sisters, our family, the church, Christian family, is broader than our group right here, and we want to think about that, and ask for the Holy Spirit to move in this city and in these other cities, so, Job, go ahead.
1: there. I pray, God, that you would move in hearts this morning, and that if there's people there that don't know you, that you would um, just move in a powerful way, and that they, would, um, that they would come to know you, that you would change hearts, and Holy Spirit, and Spirit, just work in power, and I pray for their pastor. pray, God, for encouragement and strength for him. <coughs> I want to thank you for our brothers and
2: sisters. At Lakeland Baptist Church, I praise you and thank you, Lord, for the commitment to you and to discipleship with their members, Lord. I just appreciate that so much about them. And I pray, Father, that you would work in the hearts of individuals uh, and as a corporate body, that as individuals, Lord, that you would draw them near to you and, and actually um, do a mighty work in each heart there and draw more people who are lost and seeking you Lord I pray that they would have the courage to reach out and enlighten people and, and see those sinners saved by grace mm-hmm. thank you for that Lord. Amen Jesus Father we uh, want to take the time to give thanks uh, for Calvary Baptist and uh, our uh, campus church and the, the work that they're doing and uh, the work that you're, you're doing through them and um the day we live in today there's so many that doubt uh that cultures can come together and, and worship together and um we see so many churches that are um, exclusive in that way and so we're grateful to hear of uh, the good work that you're doing uh there and uh, i just pray father that you would continue to do that work and give the leadership uh of calvary uh campus a, a wisdom godly wisdom uh that the steps that you would have them to take god that they would not deviate from that Lord God, that they would hear you clearly and follow you uh, with the commitment uh, that uh, you have born in that church, and we pray, God, that you just uh, continue to do um, a meshing of uh, souls there, dear God, to uh, reach out to the community and, and more of uh, the uh, um, students that are that are internationally uh, connected, Lord God, would, would continue to just grow and grow. Father, we give you
1: Praise and glory this day. In Jesus' name. God, it's so humbling to know that we um, we belong to a larger church, that you are moving in different states and in different counties and in different countries, and all over you are working, you are building your church, and you are saving people, and it's such um, such an honor to be a part of that process. And even in our local assembly here, God, we thank you for our brothers and sisters in Pleasant Valley at Pleasant Valley Church, in Owenboro, Kentucky. And as they are um, renovating, as they are moving to expand, as you are um, as you are working among them, God, I pray that you would uh, continue to do so. That you would continue to call people to yourself. That you would um, that you would move in them and their leaders and give them wisdom and supernatural insight to. Uh, on what what next steps to take and how to best serve the community. And God, uh, we praise you for them. We thank you for our partnership with them in the gospel. And ask that you continue to move
0: them on In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. I like doing that. It's kind of a cool thing. Getting to pray for church families and other congregations. It's just a neat thing. I was running with my buddy this week, as we finish up talking about spiritual blessings, he was talking to me about his uh, discipleship process with, uh, with a young man, and he's taking that, uh, that young guy through the book of Ephesians as well. He said, hey, I've thought of an acronym to help remember the spiritual blessings in Ephesians chapter 1. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah, uh, the city Paris. Okay, so P, predestined, A, adopted, R, redemption, I, inheritance, est, sealing of the Spirit. That's pretty cool. So, kind of a neat thing. Uh, we are going to be finishing up uh, spiritual blessings this morning. Next week, we'll actually talk about uh, the will of God, the multidimensional will of God, the moral will of God, and the sovereign will of God. There's a lot of questions when it comes to the will of God. Uh, what is and is not God's will, and often we can kind of get confused with uh, only talking about either God's moral will or only talking about God's sovereign will, and so we're going to look at that next week, uh, the verses uh, through 1, verses 14, and so we're going to kind of go back through, there's four or five uh, sections, four or five verses in the first 14 verses in Ephesians chapter 1 that talk about the will of God. And so we're going to look at the multidimensional will of God. But today, we're going to be talking a little bit further. And, I, and by the way, I'm so thankful for Russ preaching the last couple of weeks. And we had a great time when we were away. It was hard not being here. But it was so great to know that, uh, that hey, things move forward. And, you know, it's it's really great thing to know that you're not that special, like you're not really that needed, that God's people gather together and it's not that big of a deal. Uh, God was so honored, I was able to hear the sermon and uh, just hear reports of, of God being honored here last week, which is just wonderful. So it was good to be away, but it was hard to be away. Um, but, uh, but anyways, so today we're going to be talking about the sealing of the Holy Spirit And uh, it's just a a neat thing to know that we as the people of God don't gather alone as individuals. We gather as a people here in whom the Holy Spirit dwells. The Spirit of God is here with us and in us, not just out there or not just kind of hanging out in a building. The Holy Spirit actually is abiding in His people. He's working in us. We have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is our deposit of an inheritance to come. It's the first installment. God giving us the Holy Spirit, the first installment of an inheritance that's to come. And Russ did a great, week, great job last week talking about inheritance, um, and just a fantastic sermon, and it was just a wonderful thing to, to listen to. Um, but what we've been doing, so with each one of these spiritual blessings, we've kind of been looking at it, and each one of these blessings have kind of been opening up the rest of the Bible to us. So we've been looking at, at a particular spiritual blessing and then kind of jumping around a little bit and seeing what the scripture as a whole has to say about these spiritual blessings. Today's going to be somewhat the same. We're going to open the Bible up and we're going to see what the Bible has to say about the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of his people, in the lives of the people of God. We're actually going to be talking about uh, the continued work of the Holy Spirit in the next in the next couple of weeks, actually, two weeks from now. Um now, this section in Ephesians chapter 1, just a couple um, reminding remarks before we get into it today. The, this section is, is the closest thing, really, I think, in the Bible to being a systematic theology. Paul starts with uh, the before the foundation of the world passage. Before the foundation of the world, God did something. He made some decisions, and he predestined for life before the foundation of the world. And then this little section ends with eternity future and a future inheritance. And so it starts before the foundation of the world and it ends in eternity future. And so in between we have all these things that God is doing and all these blessings in which we have been blessed with and it's just done in a really nice kind of systematic thing. So, I, But what I want us to do when we get to now the sealing of the Spirit is I want to remember. I want us to remember the whole. So I'm going to read verses 1 through 14 as a whole and then we're just going, to narrowly kind of look at verse 13 and 14 as we talk about the sealing of the Spirit. Let me tell you the three points of today's sermon, and then I'll read the passage, and then we'll get into it. Number one, point number one is believe the gospel and be sealed. Believe and be sealed. So what is a sealing? So we'll talk about that. Point two is going to be that we are sealed with what? What is it that we're sealed with? Well, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So believe the gospel and be sealed. Sealed with what? Point two, the promised Holy Spirit. And then part three is, what does the sealing of this promised Holy Spirit do? What does the Holy Spirit do? Well, it guarantees our inheritance. So believe the gospel and be sealed. Okay, sealed with what? And then what does this sealing of the Spirit do? What does the Holy Spirit do in us? That's what we're going to look at. So let's look at verses 1 through 14, and we'll just read it, and we'll go through verses 13 and 14 after we read it. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and all who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places According to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of His glory. Actually, let's pray, and then we'll get into 13 and 14. Father, I thank You for this time. Uh, Holy Spirit, great wind, divine wind, blow through here this morning. Open our eyes and help us to see the security that we have, God, because of your sealing us with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, help us to see what you do in us after you regenerate us, when you come to dwell within us. I pray that, Jesus, that you would be honored, and the evidence of the Holy Spirit at work is that, Jesus, we would walk out of here this morning more in love with you. And I just pray that that would happen. Pray that during the sermon, the different parts of the sermon, that you would show us areas that need to change, convict us in certain areas of our life that uh, that need to be repented of, um, shine light on the work of Jesus, empower us to be witnesses for your glory, Jesus, empower us to walk out of here as missionaries, just work in any way you, you see fit. I know that you will, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, verse 13, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him were sealed, were sealed. Point number one is believe and be sealed. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you were sealed. So when you believed the gospel, God put his stamp on you. You were sealed. Think when you think about seal, a wax seal. When a wax seal is put on a paper, there's a, there's a seal or a signet ring that would go down and it would press upon that letter and it would seal that letter. It would shut the letter tight. The contents of the letter don't seal themselves. The sender of the letter will put a stamp or a seal upon it. And this text says that if when we believe the gospel of your salvation, we were sealed. God did something too. He marked His, whatever it is, He marked it. And so we have been marked and sealed. Now, what is it to believe the gospel of Jesus? And so we want to always bring us back to the gospel, the gospel of Jesus that we have believed in as a gospel that says, first and foremost, uh, we are a needy people. Humanity is sinned against God, and we cannot get to God by our own efforts, by our own good works, by our own humanitarian aid, by anything that we could possibly do, we cannot get to God. But God, in fact, has come to us. God, the one who was offended, came to the offended party by sending his son Jesus. Jesus came, lived a perfect life, lived a sinless life, did the will of his Father. Where you and I think about the will of the Father it was not God's will this week for me to throw. I broke his moral will when I threw and responded in anger to my son hitting me in the face. Okay, That was not an appropriate action. Jesus came and he did the Father's will perfectly goes to the cross and dies a substitutionary death. So we recognize, us in this room who believed in Jesus, we recognize that Jesus died the death we deserve to die. And when we think about that, we were grateful. And we realize that Jesus lived the life that we were supposed to live. And there was an exchange there that God in His justice and mercy punished our sins by punishing Jesus in our place. Jesus died in our place. And because He died in our place, we now are set free, we who are in Christ. So we recognized that work, His life, death, and resurrection was in my place for me. And we, by God's grace, have repented of living our way and trusted in the work of Jesus. Now, when that happened, when the Holy Spirit brought us to life, and there was repentance, turning away from sin, and a trusting in Jesus, God declared, that one is mine. He put a seal upon us. When you, uh, I know that JT and Allie, they will uh, seal uh, some contents after their garden you know, grows, and they have their millions of tomatoes, or whatever, they will seal those tomatoes, And that seal will not be broken until they break that seal themselves. Okay? The contents are put in there, and then the contents don't have the ability to seal themselves. The one who put it there sealed it. And this is what God has done He has saved us and then sealed us, marked us out as His own. Okay? So this is a really important thing. You have been marked by God, sealed by God. You are now in the possession of God. God possesses you, we are His children. We are His family. We are His bride. These facts are really incredible. But the question then uh, becomes, okay, what are we sealed with? And because we've already read the passage, we know we are sealed. And you can see this. When we believed in Him, we were sealed. Sealed with what? The promised Holy Spirit. We are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Now, when I read this, I, I had to ask, okay, what does it mean that the Holy Spirit was promised? Okay, because it's not just that we were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Very specifically, the Holy Spirit led Paul to say we were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. That should bring to our mind, okay, let's think about this. When was the Holy Spirit promised? What is this promised Holy Spirit that we have been sealed with? Well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go on a journey through the Old Testament and this is what I love even about preaching through books of the Bible. It doesn't just wedge us down into one book in Ephesians. It's going to open us up, and we're going to be in the book of Numbers. We're going to be in the book of, uh, uh, of uh, Jeremiah. We're going to be in the book of Judges. And then we're going to be in the book of Joel and in the Gospel of John. So we're going to be all over the place, and it's going to go pretty quick. But I want us to see that the Holy Spirit was indeed promised that there was some longing in the Old Testament, some promises that God gave that now in the New Covenant, now we in this room have experienced. We've experienced the promised Holy Spirit, and I want us to see this. So first, I want us to think through uh, uh, the Old Testament, how the Holy Spirit worked in the Old Testament. A prophet Would speak for God in the Old Testament. We didn't have all of the Bible in the Old Testament, so what would happen is uh, God would come upon a prophet, and that prophet would be sent to a particular people, which is Israel, and occasionally, prophet would be sent to people who are not Israel. For instance, Jonah was sent to Nineveh, okay? But typically speaking, all the prophets. All of the prophetic word that came, almost all of it, came to God's people, Israel. And God would raise up a prophet or a judge, and the Spirit of the Lord would come upon that prophet or judge momentarily. And when the Holy Spirit would come upon that prophet or that judge momentarily, something would happen. Okay. We see this with Samson, and I believe it was last week when, when uh, Russ mentioned this, or maybe a couple weeks ago, um, and I, th- I think he did. If I'm wrong, Russ, then sorry about that, but uh, the Spirit of the Lord, this is from Judges, and you can just actually follow along with me because I'm going to be moving here pretty quick, so just listen to me, and then as you, if you want to go online or if you want to make some notes, you can go back and look at it, um, but this is from Judges, uh, cha- uh, the book of Judges, and actually I don't have the chapter on here that it's from, but it's in there, and um, Verse 6, and uh, uh, here's what it says. The Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. Now, there were things from my, that I hid from my parents when I was a kid, but killing a lion was not one of them. Okay, um, The Holy Spirit rushed upon Samson, and he tore wild animals apart. The Spirit of God had an effect on this judge. This judge God had to raise up to save the the woeful Israel during the the time of the judges. They didn't have a king, and they were all over the place. They'd been brought into the promised land, but they were just sinning over and over again. God would raise up a judge, and when the Spirit of the Lord would come upon this judge, Samson, things happened. It's pretty remarkable. And if if you were to see that, I, I would say that you would be wowed, to say the least. My goodness, that's pretty incredible. That man just killed a lion. Tore it to pieces as one tears apart a young goat. Just rips it to pieces. Uh, Another instance we see uh, the Holy Spirit working, and and, uh, in fact, a prophet of God longing for the day that the Holy Spirit would come upon the people of God was in Numbers chapter 11. And I just want to move through this. in kind of a general way here. And here's what in Numbers chapter 11 was happening. Uh, Moses was overwhelmed with the work and the elders, there are elders in, well, in the people of Israel that were appointed to help Moses with his task. And here's what verse 17 of Numbers chapter 11 says. It says this, and I will come down with you there and I will take some of the spirit that's on you and I will put it on them. Speaking of these elders that are going to be helping Moses. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you, so that you may not bear it yourself alone. So God is telling Moses, I'm going to raise up for you some help, and I'm going to take some of the Spirit that's upon you, I'm going to put it upon other people to help. So the Spirit of God clearly was not, was not in and with all of the people until God said, I'm going to come and take some of the Spirit that's on you, and I'll put it upon these other people, these other elders. Now, here's what happened when God did this, and you're going to see the effect of the Holy Spirit on these people. As soon as the Spirit, this is in verse 25, rested on them, the elders, they prophesied, but they did not continue doing it. So the Holy Spirit was put from Moses and then put on these other men, and they prophesied. And so when the Spirit rushed upon them, they spoke the word of the Lord. And okay, they spoke the word of the Lord out. So the Holy Spirit had effect on them. Then, in the very next chapter, here's what Moses longs for as people are kind of freaking out about this. Here's what Moses says. Would that all of the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put His Spirit on them. And Moses and the Israelites, and Israel returned to the camp. Moses's longing as would was that God would put the Holy Spirit on all of Israel. Not just a prophet, I want them to experience the Spirit. That's what, what, uh, what Moses wanted. So I, I want the Holy Spirit to come on all God's people. In the Old Testament, it was not like that. The Spirit of God would dwell in a temple, and the Spirit of God would rush upon a prophet or rush upon the people of God. They would win a battle, but the Holy Spirit did not abide in them. doesn't mean the Holy Spirit... David said, take not thy spirit from me. So there's a way in which the Holy Spirit for a king... God's anointed would somewhat indwell the king, or or the Holy Spirit would work in that king, but for the people of God, they were expecting and longing for a day that God would actually be in them. And this is what Moses wanted. I owe that all of the people of God would do this. Jeremiah 31, anticipating the new covenant, verses 31 to 34 says this, and, and hear this, listen carefully. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. And the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with them, with the house of Israel, after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. This is really important. In the Old Testament, the, the, the people of God were kind of broken into two, two categories. There were the, those that had uh, been birthed into the people of Israel by a Israelite mother and father. So they were born as an Israelite. They would have received uh, circumcision. Um, but They would have been in the people of God. But there were people in Israel, who did not anticipate a Messiah. They were good Jews, but they did not have faith in a coming Messiah, in the promises. They did not believe that. And here what this is saying is that there there was a day when Jeremiah was written when they had to evangelize almost within the people of God. They had to say, know the Lord to the Jewish people. The Jewish people were the chosen people of God, but they had to declare to the Jewish people, hey, the promises of God. There there was evangelization, evangelization within the people of God. Well, this is anticipating a day when all of God's people would know the Lord. That it would not be a mixed company. It would be this time when everybody of the people of God, all of the people of God, would know God. It was this marked difference from what is old to what is new. There was this longing that, oh, that all of God's people would know God. Because in the Old Covenant, that was not the case. There were people who were Israelites who did not know God. And this longing is that one day, there's going to be a day that all of God's people who who are the Lord's people will know Him. That's the anticipation. That's the longing. For they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. Jeremiah, Jeremiah, a major prophet, prophesied, there's going to be a day. There's going to be a day when I will take out a heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh, and they shall all know me, they will be mine, I will be their God, they will be my people, and will no longer be this way where there are people who bear the name of God who do not know me. This is important. Jeremiah, excuse me, Jeremiah said that. He was a major prophet. Now to the minor prophets, the prophet Joel, and we see that this is fulfilled in Acts 2 here in a second. Here's what the prophet Joel prophesied. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my Spirit. Okay, this is what Moses was longing for. Oh, that these people would experience what I experience when the Spirit of God comes upon me. Oh, that this would happen. Because everybody didn't get to experience that. And Joel is saying, as the Holy Spirit is upon him, there's going to be a day when God is saying, I will pour out my Spirit on all of them. I I will pour out my Spirit. And the old men will experience these prophetic utterances. And young men and young women and sons and daughters, they will experience the abiding presence of the Lord upon them. Friends, there is a privilege. I want you to hear this. There is a real privilege that we live in today that they did not get to experience. I have no idea experientially how it's necessarily different, but what we get to experience as the people of God today is different than what they got to experience then. Based on the time in which God was pleased to have us be born, we have the Holy Spirit abiding in us. It continues, John 14, 15, and 17. 15 through 17, Jesus says this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, that's not a condition, it's a result. If you love Jesus, you will follow His commandments. It isn't, if you love me, I'm gonna, you're going to prove my love by how hard you follow the commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Cause, effect. If you love Him, you'll keep His commandments. Make sense? It's pretty cool. That was not in my notes, but that's a cool thought. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever. Get this, the Helper is going to be with you forever. This is a promise. This is not, maybe the Helper will come and He'll be with you for a minute and then He'll leave. No, Jesus is saying, this Helper, this Comforter is going to come and He's going to be with you forever. It's important for us to realize. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit will be in you. Inside of you. Not hanging out in church. Not God's house hanging out in a church building. This is the common, common mistake that we all make. Don't we really think like the buildings are the, spe- the... The church building is what we respect. Okay? The Holy Spirit is not hanging out there. Just chilling. The Holy Spirit will be with you and will be in you. And here we see this great fulfillment in Acts Chapter 2. I want to read it. Go ahead and turn there. Acts chapter 2. This is the promised Holy Spirit. It was promised. It was longed for. It was anticipated. And then, believe it or not, God knows how to keep a promise. He did it. Chapter 2, verse 5. Now, they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every Oh, excuse me, starting in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews and devout, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together. They were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in their own native language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these uh, who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthenians, and that word, and that word, and residents of Mesopotamia, and Judea, and that word, and Pontus and Asia, and Asia. But there, that word, and that word, and Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene. And visitors from Rome, both Jews and, pros- and proselytites, Cretans and Arabian, Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocked and said, they're just filled with new wine. Moses, or excuse me, but Peter, standing at standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice, addressed the men, men of Judea, and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you, and give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk as you suppose. Since it's only the third hour of the day, you got some problems if you're drunk in the third hour of the day. <laughs> but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel, and in the last days it shall be, declares the Lord, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs on the earth below, and blood, and fire, and vapor, and smoke. The sun will be turned in darkness to moon, and the moon to blood back then. We won't ever do a blood moon sermon, I promise. Uh, Before the day of the Lord comes, a great and magnificent day, it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Friends, the Apostle Peter says it happened. How hard is it for you to keep your promises? Just think about that. Think about all the promises that you have broke to the people you love, to God, to whoever. It's hard. Now, we think we're pretty strong people generally. How hard is it for you to keep your promises? And over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, here's God keeping His promises. The promised Holy Spirit came. Now, what does this mean for us? Now, we have the Holy Spirit. We are empowered to take this message through the whole world. This is the point. They hear them declaring the mighty acts of God from all over. The point is that this message through the power of the Holy Spirit that we would be launched as arrows into all of the globe declaring the glory of Jesus. Now, the Holy Spirit comes upon us now that we've been sealed with this promised Holy Spirit. It's been fulfilled. Now the people of God, now that Acts 2 has happened, uh, the new covenant is ushered in and the people of God are going to have the Spirit of God dwelling with them and in them. Well, what does that now mean? If we have been sealed, sealed with what? The promised Holy Spirit. So you've been stamped. You've been given the Holy Spirit, deposited in you. What does that mean? Okay? Here's what it means. The Holy Spirit is our guarantee of our inheritance, it's the earnest payment. For the first time in my life, I actually paid an earnest payment. It's the first installment of a payment of a promise that you're going to get the rest. You're going to pay for the rest. It's not a. It's not a. It's not even a, a initial. It's it's the first installment of it. So we who are believers in Christ and we heard the word of truth the gospel of salvation and believed in him we're sealed with the promised holy spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. God literally gives us the first installment. We have the first installment of the inheritance that's coming. We have it with us and it guarantees and we'll see this here in a second that we will we, we will inherit this We will get this inheritance. It's our guarantee. It's our security. We could say it's our eternal security. That which is coming is coming to us assuredly. It's going to come. It's a promise. And five reasons I'm going to point out that the Holy Spirit giving us a deposit. Five reasons that the Holy Spirit in us is our guarantee. And it's said like this and people freak out about it. Here's why we can't lose our salvation. Because the Holy Spirit does something in us. The Holy Spirit just didn't come on us and leave us. The Holy Spirit has transforming power in us. And we're going to see five reasons that the Holy Spirit is our deposit and it guarantees our inheritance. The other way to understand this is that it guarantees God's inheritance of us. Either way, God gets His people and we get our inheritance. As you can see, there's a variant. If you look down there, there's like a little number and you can see, well, there's two ways to read this. Either way, it means God gets His inheritance and it means we get our inheritance. Okay? It's a promise. It will, will, will happen. Now, Let's read this. What does the Holy Spirit do in a person? We who have been sealed, here's what I want you to know. I want you to st- see the just the everyday supernatural. Okay, And I want you to identify these things working in your life. And I want you to see and identify that the Holy Spirit really is working in me. That this is, we are living in a we are supernatural people. People in the world, they may be eternal beings, but they're not living supernatural lives. And you and I have been brought into this, you know, Narnia, I think, is what uh, uh, Russ and Jenny and Jenny was kind of talking about. Russ and everyone called it Narnia. We've been brought into this Narnian experience where the everyday supernatural we experience. Uh, Ezekiel chapter thirty-six, verse twenty-six and twenty-seven. The first reason that the Holy Spirit is our deposit that guarantees our inheritance to come. The first reason is that the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and we get sealed, the Holy Spirit has given you a new heart. And I want you to see these promises in the Old Testament. So flip back to Ezekiel. I know we've kind of been all over the place this morning and that's okay. These are really wonderful things. This is point three now. How is that, or why is the Holy Spirit our guarantee? Why is the Holy Spirit the guarantee of our inheritance? And the first reason is that God will give us a new heart when the Holy Spirit comes. So Ezekiel 36, verse 26 and 27. I want you to see this. And this is so much better than the phrase, well, once saved, always saved. I don't like that phraseology at all because it implies just once you're saved, then nothing else matters. Once you're saved, you've been sealed with the Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit within you. Live a different life. That's the point. Here's what the Holy Spirit does. Verse thirty six or 26 and 27. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a new heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. And what's the next words? Maybe just say it out loud when you see it. Cause you. Cause you. Why have you been following Jesus all these years? Why are you here this morning? Because God's working in you. Like the Holy Spirit. Why, why do you get convicted of sin? Or why do you want to read your Bible? Even when you don't read your Bible, you're like, oh, why? You want to hear from God. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is causing you. I've been walking with Jesus now for 27 years. And thinking about that, since I was a little boy, uh, he's been so faithful. Like, I, I can tell you this. Um, if you're a true believer, you can recognize this. The Holy Spirit has worked a great love in my heart for God. I just I love God. Well, that's not evidence of anything in me. That's evidence of the Holy Spirit work in me. me by myself. I would never have loved God. If God had not loved me and changed me and transformed me, I will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So the Holy Spirit is a deposit in us because the Holy Spirit is continuing to work out godliness in our lives the rest of our lives. That we're growing in our love and our walk with Jesus. We're becoming more and more Christ-like. God's at work with us. You know that war that's raging in within you? The Holy Spirit will win. That one day when we see Jesus, when He returns, we will be like Him because we will see Him as He is. So what the Apostle John says. That one day, the Holy Spirit will finally rid us of our sin. And what's declared true about us, that we're sinful people, will actually be true about us. So that's number one reason, is that He will give us a new heart, that we've been given a new heart, and He is causing us that's why the, the Spirit is a guarantee, guaranteeing our inheritance because He is causing us to obey His rules. Galatians chapter 5, go ahead and turn there, we'll do a little uh, Bible drill action. Galatians chapter 5, and I want you to be thinking about, as we're doing this, how is the Holy Spirit making this practical? Because we're not going to have a lot of practical points walking out of here today. We're not going to have action steps. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit is doing this in you, showing you that this is true for you and in you, and then I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit is showing you what to do as you leave here today. How to be transformed. I'm not going to give you the five steps here this morning. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 24, here's what it says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So what is the fruit of having the Spirit, uh, being sealed by the Spirit? What's the fruit that comes from having the Holy Spirit deposited in somebody? Well, the fruit are these things. Is the fruit blasphemy, rebellion? Is the fruit, now that I've got the Spirit as a guarantee or deposit, is the fruit of the Spirit being within us living in a sinful way? Is it running out? How is the Holy Spirit a guarantee? Because the Holy Spirit, there's fruit that comes from the Spirit being in our lives. And these things should be things that are being developed in us, ever so slowly they may be developed, but these things should be bearing fruit in our lives the older and older and older we get. The Holy Spirit is bringing us more and more and more into likeness. This is what the Holy Spirit's doing. There is fruit of the Holy Spirit being within you. Now, this is an interesting thing. We're going to see this uh, in Romans chapter 8, verse 9 through 11. And then, in, actually, let me go to 1 Timothy chapter 1. We should be seeing this Holy Spirit uh, being worked in us. But here's the unique thing. is often, as believers, we can identify the fruit of the Spirit in other people's lives more than those people can, uh, can see the fruit in their own life. Like I can recognize fruit in Taylor's life or fruit in Jordan's life more than they can even recognize it in their own life. And, and this is what happens when we see Paul declaring himself in Ephesians or, uh, Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. Here's what Paul says about himself. Paul says this. We would all say about Paul, he was a godly, Christ-like man. I'd love to be like him. Here's what Paul says about himself. And keep in mind, he doesn't have a low opinion of himself. He has a right opinion of himself as he says this. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. I am the foremost. Friends, this is another evidence of the Holy Spirit. So this is number, it was number three. I'm changing it to number number uh, number three instead of being number four. The Holy Spirit convinces us of our sinfulness and our need. Now, Paul called other people saints. He called himself the chief of all sinners. Now, people recognize, even with Paul saying that, that is evidence, that humility is evidence that the Holy Spirit of God, that's a saint. The saint is the one who knows how much they need Jesus. The saint says, I'm more broken than I've ever known. I'm more I'm the most broken person in this world. That's what a saint says. Have you ever met a humble person who claims they're, they're humble? Have you ever met a saint who runs around saying, I'm a saint, I'm a saint, I'm a saint, I'm more godly than you? The irony of humility is the humble person dies thoroughly convinced of their own pride. Convinced, nobody can talk them out of it. Nope, I know I need Jesus. And we all recognize that fruit. We recognize the Holy Spirit of a person who knows their need, but is absolutely in love with Jesus. They're not mopey and they're not down about it. They love Jesus. I'm thankful that me, that I have received the grace of God. So evidence of the Holy Spirit's work and why the Holy Spirit is a seal, um, is that is that He convinces us of our sinfulness and our need and the supply and uh, and, and here's the supply for our need in Romans eight nine through 11, two more verses and we'll be back Romans eight nine through eleven Romans eight nine through eleven says this you however are not in the flesh but in the spirit and if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him that's the deal if you're a Christian you have to have the Holy Spirit And it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit doesn't continue to work or to continue to fill you as you live your Christian life. And we want that. We're going to be talking about that here in a couple weeks. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. This is the Holy Spirit. This is the good news that even though we recognize our need in the glory of Jesus, we press on. We move forward. We don't mope. We are witnesses to the glory of Jesus. We move forward in the power of the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. We move forward in the same Holy Spirit power. We have the same Holy Spirit working in us as Jesus said. And finally, in John 16, verses 12 to 15, here's why the Holy Spirit is our deposit that guarantees our inheritance. The Holy Spirit is always glorifying Jesus. John 16. Let me get there. John 16:12 through 15. Here's what the apostle John says. I have I still have many things to say to you. Here's what Jesus is saying, excuse me. But you cannot hear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you to the, all the truth, and he will, speak on his own, he will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All the Father has is Mine, therefore I said, He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. Here is the fifth reason why the Holy Spirit guarantees our inheritance, because the Holy Spirit is leading us to glorify Jesus. Always. If Jesus is not being honored and cherished and loved, the Holy Spirit is not at work. Where Jesus is being loved, cherished, and acknowledged, rest assured, the Holy Spirit is working. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And the Holy Spirit guarantees our inheritance. We have been sealed. Let me read the passage again in Ephesians chapter 1. We have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Andy, go ahead and come on up. To the praise of His glory. Here's what my favorite commentator said on this, about these spiritual blessings and about this section of the Bible. He says this Thus, everything we have and are, are in Christ both comes from God and returns to God. It begins with His will and ends with His glory. For this is where everything begins and ends, his will and his glory. Yet, such Christian talk comes into violent collision with the man-centeredness and self-centeredness of the world. Fallen man, imprisoned in his own little ego, has almost boundless confidence in the power of his own will and an almost insatiable appetite for the praise of his own glory. But the people of God have at least begun to be turned inside out. This new society has new values, new ideas. Ideals for God's people are God's possession, who live by God's will and for God's glory. We get to respond in worship. And we're going to sing a song in response and we're going to receive communion just like we do each week. But I want you to enjoy and let the Holy Spirit, like I said, there's not going to be a lot of practical application. Let the Holy Spirit work in you whatever you see fit from this, whether it be to worship, just thanking for that, to consider how the the Holy Spirit is empowering you and gifting you to witness for the glory of Jesus. Or maybe consider, wait a second, I can never lose my salvation. Not something because I've done, but because God Himself is working in me. He will never let me go. I may let my hand slip, but God's grip is tighter than mine, and I'm thankful for that. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, just work. I know that You will. I know that You are. Your Word does not return void. So apply this practically in any way You so choose. Thank You that we have You, Holy Spirit, in us. Evidence that by being transformed, by gifting, by healing, by changing, by empowering. Help us. Holy Spirit, move. Point us to Jesus, that Jesus would be revered, honored, loved, and cherished. It's in His name we pray. Amen. Let's worship.